0: Welcome to the Redefine Health Ed podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Katie Obright, and we're going to talk all things primary care PT. Right. Hello, 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 everybody. This is episode 10 of the primary care series of the Redefine Health Ed podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Katie Obrey, but y'all know that by now because most of the people that listen to this podcast are the same people that have been listening to it from the start. Um, but hopefully we'll get some new ones here and there. So um today on this episode, I have a really great, uh, really great guest who's going to share a little bit about his experience working in a variety of different settings. Um, from the emergency department into different primary care spaces and different settings. Um, so I have the pleasure to introduce Dr. Stephen Goosetree, um, who is a, a physical therapist. sounds like born and raised in the Chicago metro and currently lives in Chicago. Um, so, Steve, thanks so much for coming on today. Tell us a little bit about your background.
1: Sure. Yeah, thanks a lot for the invite, Katie. Um, so I've been a PT now for uh, about 11 years, Um Started out actually as a PT assistant. Um, so, yep, born and raised in the Chicagoland area. Uh, did my undergrad down at Southern Illinois University. Go dogs. <laughs> um, so, I was studying, you know, my bachelor's was in kinesiology, but then I'm like, all right, what am I going to do with that after I graduate, right? So, uh, they actually had a really strong PT assistant program down there. Uh, so, kind of joined on with that. Uh, My junior year, and since that was a two-year associate's degree, was still able to graduate in four years with the BS in Kines and uh, the associate's in PT assistant. Um, So then went on to work as a PTA, and I knew long-term I wanted to either go back for my DPT or I was interested in uh, physician assistant. Uh, I think it was in my blood, I like to tell people, my grandpa was a surgeon, my grandma was a nurse, my mom was a nurse practitioner, so, you know, it was just in my blood. So so then I went to, uh, I worked for um, kind of a satellite clinic for the Rehab Institute of Chicago, which is now a Shirley Ryan Ability Lab. I had some awesome mentors there and worked for a PTA for about two years. Um, And they're like, Steve, you got to go back and get your TPT. So (laughs) I said, all right, great. So there was, uh, at the time, it was sort of like a bridge program for uh, if you were already a licensed PT assistant with a year or two of experience, um, they, you know, highly encourage you to apply. So that was uh, Franklin Pierce University out in New Hampshire. Um, So that was one of the first schools that I applied to and got accepted to. So I'm like, all right, let's, you know, so competitive, right? So (laughs) I'm like, let's do it. Uh, I was super pumped too, because, uh, one of my mentors still, and, uh, he was, he got me really interested in, uh, orthopedic manual PT, especially was, uh, Dr. Josh Cleland. But of course uh,
0: I was, as soon as you said Franklin Pierce, I was like, oh, I wonder <laughs> if uh, he was there when, yeah. <laughs>
1: Yep, certainly uh, Josh so,
0: Cleland now I'm adjunct faculty at Tufts and Josh Cleland is one of their core faculty members. Oh. Now. So awesome. Always awesome to get a uh, super shout out to Josh Cleland for being inspirational to us all. Um, uh, you know, decades past and decades beyond.
1: Go yeah, ahead. C- certainly. <laughs> no, that's, that's awesome. The, the more I, you know, the practice it's crazy how small the PT community really is, you know, I know, <laughs> Um, so yeah, so that was great. Got to um, really kind of study under Josh. Uh, we would, he, during my uh, third year, he actually created a, like a manipulation elective. Um, uh, so that was that was awesome. I, I like actually enjoyed going to that versus like a PEDS, you know, lecture or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so then graduated from Franklin Pierce, um, had a, you know, fun couple years in New England, but missed Chicago. So moved back um, and then started working just as a staff PT, outpatient ortho setting. Uh, I was really interested in doing an orthopedic residency, but I knew long-term I wanted to do fellowship as well. So I even had a few conversations with Josh about that. And uh, luckily he knew at the time, the program I was interested in was at the University of Illinois, Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, that was headed by Carol Courtney and uh, Josh and Carol are buddies. So uh, Josh actually told me, he's like, get the required amount of, you know, hours that you need to apply for the fellowship and he's like dude at this point just skip residency just go straight to fellowship i said Mm -hmm. wow okay Mm -hmm. so uh with a a super stellar uh letter of recommendation from him got into the ompt fellowship at uic which was awesome game changer Mm -hmm. just made us super competent and and confident in treating the, the complex orthopedic patient which was awesome um so yeah so after that did a little bit of mentoring uh, for the fellows in training and some of the DPT uh, and stuff like that. So uh, since then had a, a variety of different roles that I can't, I like to make fun of myself now that I've been a job hopper <laughs> in the past, which you know,
0: nothing wrong with that.
1: Our parents, you know, they stayed at the same job for 40 years, but I feel like that's like unheard of now. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so then, yeah, so it was pretty cool. Uh, once I got my DPT, some of those former mentors that I had, Uh, when i was a pta said hey we're starting this new pilot in the emergency department and we feel like you would be a really good fit um a little bit of background there that was my mom's uh background she was in emergency medicine for 30 years um and she had made me like a cpr instructor and things like that so i was always in the back of my mind i'm like i really like the er i like the primary care setting so that was that was really cool Um, so what that entailed, you know, you go in for your shift and we had a small little treatment room and we would basically uh, be performing triage in the ER. So that would free up the ER docs and their nurses schedule for the real complex cases, mm-hmm. stabbings, gunshot wounds, uh, stroke, things like that. Yeah. And all, all the MSK would then come see me first for a consult. Uh, which w- was super cool because, as we know, a lot of spinal pain, neck and back pain is, is mechanical in nature. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was really where my mobilization, manipulation, clinical reasoning skills came in handy. Uh, repeated movements. We could get somebody, you know, walking in with a 10 out of 10 pain. I could perform a, a, a quick manip if they were appropriate and they'd walk out. Their pain had to you be know, cut in half mm-hmm. and they didn't need any unnecessary imaging or uh pharmacology stuff like that so that was super cool um got to had a really nice close working relationship with the er docs and the nurses so they're like oh see steve first if it was anything msk related Mm -hmm. um did didn't really do any wound care but did some like some assisted device training if somebody uh was living in a nursing home and they had just hadn't had a fall and then went to the er to to rule out a hip fracture or anything um do some basic gait training and stuff but most of it was Was MSK, uh, which was super cool.
0: Isn't that so cool? So I think that um, you know, the the ED obviously is emergency care. You know, people go there if they are having an emergency or think they're having an emergency. um, Whereas primary care is is more. Um, you know outpatient long long-term relationships sustainable relationships but I honestly think that the way that pts are utilized in both settings is very similar because most of the PT models that are out there for primary care in the ed the physical therapist real is really serving as a as a con as a, a consult expert in uh, in functional needs so in neuromusculoskeletal conditions that are coming in for the first time um, do, what does this patient need does this patient need imaging and if so what kind and or does this patient need to be seen by a specialist is there something really concerning going on or might they just benefit from a couple of you know manual therapy techniques or um you know some education and reassurance that they have a good the good prognosis which is most musculoskeletal pain so I really I think that that's a great perspective that you kind of started out that way um yeah so keep going tell it tell more of your story
1: sure um, one more thing about that role that was pretty cool because then um, I would have basically the the front so there was a, an outpatient ortho our like same hospital based outpatient ortho clinic was across the street so I would do my you know quick 15 minute triage and then if they had the time and they were open to it I would get right on the phone with the, the scheduling folks at, across the street and a PT if they had an opening could could see that patient right away so it was awesome it was just like I captured them in, in the ED, right, and then they just went across the street, well, and, it, that-
0: and that's really solid too. Because if you think about it, a lot of patients that go to the ED, they get, they receive advice where it's like, okay, follow up with your primary care provider, or um, you know, call the orthopedic surgeon's office and have them, uh, you know, get an appointment with them, and then the patients are like. There, there's this like sometimes the patients don't know if that is the right thing indeed and or they don't follow up or they don't do this and that and I think it's a really solid thing where you can have that that intricate connection with somebody to actually say like hey. Here, here's this. I really think that you would benefit from at least a couple of visits or maybe just even a one-time more comprehensive assessment, you know, go get involved. And then the patients are a lot more likely to follow through and then not have recurrent episodes um, where they land back in your care again. So I think that that's awesome. And that's something that I think in one of the episodes, one of the other episodes that we talked about, um, which I just published today, Rebecca Griffith's episode, um, where she talked specifically about, um, you know, the connection between providing care in the ED to providing care in the primary care PT space. Um, it's really important. It's really important to facilitate and help the patient gain that, um, that understanding of what they need to do next, um, not only gain the understanding, but actually help, help them facilitate that. I think that's awesome that you were able to do that. Um, can you comment a little bit because um, oh, another, uh, Another feature that has been continuously coming up is once other practitioners in these team-based care settings, so, you know, you were in this sort of team-based collaborative emergency department and other practitioners got to know you and got to know what you were capable of, um, a lot of other uh, PTs that we've interviewed have said things along the lines of, you know, once we were there, we you, you can't leave because the providers understand your value and they're really become almost dependent on you. Um, so can you comment on your experience with other professionals when you first started out and then kind of towards the end of your, your tenure there?
1: Sure. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, so at first I feel like I almost had to prove myself to them. Right. Yeah. So it's like, all right, these ER docs are super experienced or the nurses or you know, they were probably wondering at first, what's a PT doing in here. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, but then, yeah, after they saw how I interacted with, with, uh, patients and, uh, sometimes then they got really interested. They're like, oh, wow, this guy is, you know, I want to see what he's doing. So I would actually have some of the ER docs like sit in on my console. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just, that's what really got me interested in like the collaborative care model is uh, getting that, that well-deserved respect that we certainly need as, you know, DPTs. Yeah, um, I remember uh, what got me a lot of clout, I guess in the ER, I had a really interesting patient. Uh, she came in with complaints of low back pain. Um looked pretty MSK in nature just from the, the intake and stuff. Uh but with all the physical exam testings and everything, I couldn't reproduce anything and she was just constant. So I'm like, all right, this sounds a little more visceral to me. Um so then it was great to have the trust from the, the ER doc because then I actually recommended, hey, I think this person should go in for imaging, like ASAP. Mm-hmm. And the doctor came and found me like two hours later, gave me a huge pat on the back. He's like, Steve, great catch. Um, this individual ended up having an ovarian cyst burst
0: mm-hmm. and then it
1: was it was just mimicking low back pain right um, so she actually ended up going into surgery and you know same, same day so uh, that was I would say that was a, a big win and um, then after that all the the nurses w- would be looking for me that they, <laughs> like we got a you know someone with neck pain in the waiting room someone that just fell off their bike with shoulder pain. Uh, ankle spread. So then I became super popular after that. So it and was pretty isn't cool. It,
0: and that is exactly the way that it should be. And as somebody who uh, personally has um, had, you know, personal experience with endometriosis, the time that it takes to get to um, diagnosis is extremely long years for most people. Um, so if you're able to identify something like that early on, Oh my goodness! You would save people a lot of hassle, a lot of trouble in their quality of life, um, a lot of time and money. So uh, g- kudos to you, and and very much appreciate that. Um, yeah, so yeah, go into a little bit about how you you know ended up your time in the ED and then moved into more of the primary care setting.
1: Sure. So yeah, after the that ED pilot, which I hope is still going on. I hope it's a full blown. So this program. was a
0: pilot. Do you, are, are you, uh, able and willing to share where that was?
1: Yeah, sure. So that, uh, was it at Alexian brothers, uh, in Elk Grove village at the time. Uh-huh. super uh, I close think, to
0: where I'm at. I'm in Palatine. So I know exactly yeah. where that is. Uh,
1: I think since I've left there, I think they've merged with another group or I think it's Ascension, Ascension. now. Ascension. Yep. Uh, so uh, different name, but, uh, but yeah, that was awesome it was actually where the hospital where my mom had worked. Uh, so people knew my last name and stuff too. And that, so then <laughs> it was kind of cool uh, being recognized. They knew my, my mom and some even knew my grandpa and stuff like that. So that That's was super so cool. cool.
0: Love it. Um,
1: the main reason I kind of gave that uh, up was just because the commute I was living in the city at the time and just, ah. uh, I was kind of just doing that PRN anyways. So uh, getting to and from uh, Elk Grove village to back to downtown was was get a bit tricky.
0: That can be gnarly. Uh for right. those of you who don't live in the Chicago Metro, we have gnarly traffic. Gnarly. It's
1: yeah.
0: I mean, you know, an hour to go, 10 miles. So yeah, gnarly. Yeah. yeah. I totally get it. Okay. I so moving on. I,
1: I think we just got rated uh the number one worst traffic State I saw I saw that, which I was,
0: I was surprised by of all the cities, but now after living here for a while, like we avoid going to the city because of the traffic. So I, sure. I get it, I get it. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, so after that, like I was saying, did a little bit of job hopping, um, a lot of private practices, uh, had a couple manager positions, senior clinician, things like that. Uh, and then this primary care role opened up. So it was a, a startup company, Uh, That started as like a tech only company out of based out of New York City. Um, So it was mainly physicians and then PAs and nurse practitioners uh, that would treat folks, you know, digitally, virtually. And then they opened a couple offices in the New York uh, City area, New Jersey, and then Chicago was uh, the third on the list. So it was pretty cool. I started on with the group when they hired on. um, It was a physician. Uh, a few PAs and and NPs, um, a behavioral health specialist, and then myself. And once it was interesting, we were located downtown in the city uh, in a high rise, and we basically had a partnership with uh, one of the main employers that occupied that high rise. so that was pretty sweet. I didn't really have to deal with a lot of insurance headaches and stuff that I was used to.
0: <laughs> and I'm so glad that you brought this up. I don't, Are you, uh, again, are you able and willing to share the name of the company? If not, that's totally fine.
1: Yeah, so the company uh, was Eden Health. Uh,
0: like E-D-E-N? Yep. Okay, awesome because do you want to know why? And I'm actually working on it. And I think this is the first time I'm actually announcing it because I'm almost done with it. I'm working on a paper that's like an update in the operating models of integrated primary care PT. Um, So all of the different types of settings where primary care PTs are actually working. And because all that we have to reference in the literature right now is an article, a paper from 2005 that only mentions basically the military, the VA health system and Kaiser. Well, it's exploded way beyond that. And one of the main, um, one of the main areas or practice settings that I'm taught that I uh, included in this article was employer-sponsored clinics. Because I think between you and me and the rest of the world, I think employers are getting a little tired of spending ridiculous amounts of money um, going towards third-party payers that are ultimately not doing anything for their patients or their beneficiaries. So employers are just cutting, choosing to cut out these third-party insurance companies that, again, are doing nothing uh, or seemingly nothing for their beneficiaries. And they're just hiring healthcare providers directly, which makes a lot of stinking sense, doesn't it? So right. yeah, I would. So keep going. I want to know so much more about this.
1: Yeah. So that was super cool. We were all really refreshed by that fact that we're not going to have to be on the phone with insurance companies, you know, begging. Oh, please, this guy just had ACL surgery and he only got approved for six visits. Like that gives me uh, terrible nightmares thinking back of some of those situations. Oh my gosh, I
0: know. Same. <laughs> um,
1: but uh, again, it was it was kind of a, a growing experience where I almost had to prove myself. I had to say to the, the uh, D, like she was a DO, so she did have some manual training too, but she was super impressed with my manipulation skills. She's like, wow, I didn't know PTs were trained like that. I said, yeah, certainly it's part of our curriculum now. Yeah. Um, so that was awesome. And then same thing, the nurse practitioners would come in and they would you know, watch me do an eval and then uh, treatment follow-up and stuff like that. They would even come to me like, Oh, my neck is killing me today. Can you work on it? Um, so it was, we grew super fast. Like once the word got out in this, in the building, like, Hey, we have a primary care office. So folks would come in and get their COVID booster. And then they would come have me work on them with their knee uh, dysfunction. Um, and after just a short period of time, um, Myself, I was the only PT there and I didn't have any tax or AIDS. It was great. It was an hour blocked off one-on-one undivided. So folks got better relatively quickly, I would Wonderful. say. Um, and so that was really cool. And then, um, yeah, a lot of the, the the nurse practitioners and the the physician, even the behavioral health, uh, we would all have daily huddles, uh, which was great. We would talk talk about, you know, we, we were all treating the same person for different things, but then it was great since I had that hour to spend with the individual, I could pick up on a lot of yellow flags. Yes. So they'd be telling me, Hey, I'm super stressed out with my job. Uh, you know, I'm feeling a bit depressed, things like that. And as soon as any of those conversations came up, I would ask their permission. Hey, we do have a behavioral health specialist in house here. Would it be okay if I shared your information with her and she, she might reach out to you if that's okay. And more than, not most uh, members there were were super pumped because it was like a a one-stop shop, so to speak. And this
0: is the whole idea. Like, this is the whole idea of team-based care and how and why it's so important that we are co-located, which you can practice your primary care philosophy if you're independent and not co-located. You can. I want to reiterate that so hard. But I will say that when you have a patient in front of you that you notice is struggling and might and this goes for like for the physician side too so for example if i'm if i'm a physician and i'm working with a patient and i can really tell that they're having st- trouble with their functional movement, with getting around, um, or they're saying that they're in a lot of pain, how easy is it for me as a physician to go and grab the PT that is right outside my door or in the office somewhere and be like, and then, you know, do that warm handoff, just bring them in and introduce them. Whereas a lot of patients, and this has been my experience when I do, when I've done um, like site visits and I've shadowed physicians if they introduce the concept of physical therapy, a lot of patients are like, no, 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 I don't want to do that. And honestly, my belief is because the general public thinks, and unfortunately this is still the case in a lot of places. If you go to physical therapy, you're going to have to spend three times a week for, for eight weeks. And it's a lot of time and money and people don't have like, first of all, it's not necessary. And we should not be promoting that insane volume of care that is entirely just for business purposes and it is shameful and fraudulent and i will i will shout that from the rooftops because it frustrates me to my core yep but anyway before i go (laughs) off on a tangent i will say like how how easy is it to like bring a physical therapist in that can that can meet you you can put a face to the name get care established and not have to do this insane you know try to find a PT in your area. You got to wait a couple weeks to get in there. And then, you know, by that point, you're like, I don't even feel like I should go anyway. Or um, right. it is just so important and so awesome that in a, in a team-based care setting, if you have a behavioral health need and you have a person on staff, you can bring them right in. They can do a quick little triage assessment. The patient gets buy-in. They have better access to care right there. Like this is my vision for all of primary care. And again, shout it from the rooftops. And it is so cool that you got to experience that um, with Eden health. Now I'm so contrast that with other care settings that you were in. Cause I heard in there, which we didn't harp on yet, heard in there, you did a little job hopping. I've been there too. And probably (laughs) a lot of other people have as well. So I'm curious, like what, if you could just comment on a little bit of that, and then we'll talk about where you're at now.
1: Sure. Um, Yeah. So one of the things that it almost drove me out of the PT profession was the, you know, insurance dictating patient care. Uh, So yeah, or like, even the higher ups were saying, you know, you need to see this person three times a week for six months. And I'm like, certainly not. That's not, you know, based on my exam, they do not need that. That's overkill. Uh, that's fraudulent, in my opinion, you know, so
0: shameful so that, and fraudulent,
1: right? So that really used to upset me. Uh, so then I would, I'd start looking as soon as you know, all that pressure came on to be super productive. And oh, and then I had this on the side, if I had a free second, I'd have to get on the, the phone and do cold calls to physicians. And so, I'm like, this is just silly. So um, so then I'd go, you know, I'd, I'd interview with a different mom and pop shop, uh, and they'd, they promised me the world, right? Like, oh, we don't do that here. And it was like, same shit, different day. Basically, you'd go to the, that clinic, you'd, they'd treat you like a prince for, you know, maybe the first week or two, but then you started like, oh, this it's the same stuff in a different all location. Of,
0: and I, I harped on this in the last episode that I did with um, Dan Kang and Jeff Hawke. Um, there in Providence Health, I told the, I told my story about my first inter or my first uh you know job engagement in Chicago. Took all of five weeks for them to, and this this is crazy. I was they they actually flat out fired me on the spot, no no warning, no conversation, and I was as I was as diplomatic as I possibly could be about no, I'm not going to do that model. This isn't what we talked about in my interview at all. I'm not going to, I'm not going to see a patient three times a week for 16 visits. If it's somebody with a very simple thing that only needs a few, like, I am not going to commit fraud on your behalf. I'm going to do what's (laughs) medically necessary for the patient. And I tried to harp on that. And I I even went to the extent of, I will help you build out your cash services and your wellness services so that you can, so that I can, you know, make sure that the revenue that I'm bringing in is consistent with what you're looking for. Nope. They came in one day and they fired me
1: Oh, wow. and they
0: they said I, it was because I was doing all of these other terrible things for their business. And yeah, so I, and, and now since then I have explored what other like corporate clinics are doing in this area, which really hard to find mom and pop shop nowadays, because they're all getting gobbled up by these private equity firms that are running healthcare. That's another problem, not just insurance companies, but private equity right. firms running healthcare. Um yep. Sorry but private equity their bottom line is revenue so if profit is what dictates your care guess how many times a week you're coming to physical therapy uh, again <laughs> getting off my getting off my tangent here but how different of a world would it be if across the board in primary care we had these team based we these team based settings where we could perform healthcare the way that it's supposed to be done for the benefit of the patient, for the benefit of the provider, for the group that works together, we're all a team. So right. I'm not even sure I, how I got on that, but I'm like, <laughs> I, I was on your, I'm totally following your um your experience because I had that same experience and I won't ever return.
1: Right, no, ever since the last you know, few jobs that I've had and I've actually really enjoyed, and a, a lot of them are like a primary care setting or collaborating at least with other healthcare providers. Mm -hmm. I'm never going back to the traditional brick and mortar outpatient. I feel like that is just such a broken system right now.
0: And it's dying. Like I really, really feel that in the next 10 years, those clinics are going to start to disappear. And I don't think it's a bad thing.
1: (laughs) Right. And if you even step into one nowadays, like they're on every corner in Chicago, right? So Mm -hmm. if you, if you go in there, it looks like every PT that's treating still is probably 30 or younger. And then, you know, I feel like that's a, they start there, and then they they start learning all the, you know, kind of the negative things that come with that, and then they they look for something else pretty quick. But isn't so. that
0: terrible? Because this is one conversation that another, you know, t- separate type of conversation is we are teaching our DPT students the right way to do things in school. We are uh, because, right. I, you know, I've been adjunct faculty in a number of different places, even from my experience at Temple University, shout out to like the best university ever. Um, <laughs> they trained us very well and very responsibly. But the problem is when students start going out on their clinicals and they start getting their first couple of jobs, the reality sets in of, of this business model that is just pushing us and driving us all to burnout and so yep. you're totally right if you go to any of any of these clinics the vast majority of the clinicians that are going to be there are new grads within their first zero you know one to five years um and the smart ones are going to get out and sometimes right. they're going to get out of the professional together which is not a good thing either so how do exactly. we break the cycle
1: right yeah so i feel like we we need to uh, a couple of things that i've learned from working collaborating it's always impressive or i guess cool to see other healthcare providers, they really have no idea, like our scope and how much we, they're like, wow, you know, a lot, not just about MSK, but like when I was in the ED, visceral things and, you know, other medical conditions and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then kind of getting away from the insurance model uh, and trying to collaborate with, with like employers and stuff like that. That's where I was with Eden. That's where I am currently uh, mm-hmm. with this the digital startup.
0: Yeah. And, tell, uh, tell us. So that's a great segue. Tell us more about that.
1: Yeah. So that was pretty cool. Um, at Eden health, I did a little, it was kind of hybrid as well. So I was doing mainly in-person care and, uh, it was funny. I was the busiest provider in that small little office. So sometimes, you know, the doctor and the nurse, they'd be playing chess or, you know, <laughs> or something. And I'd, I'd be back to back to back with patients, but it was a good thing because I still got an hour one-on-one with them and stuff. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's just super cool to collaborate with other professions and then get that respect that I feel that we, we deserve. I feel like we have a, a terrible branding problem as PTs and yes. we, we know a lot of stuff and we can help a lot of people, but it's just, it's taking way too long, I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, so then uh, at Eden, I was doing a little bit of telehealth. Uh, I'd gotten licensed in multiple states. So then mm-hmm. I would do, let's say a telehealth visit, then an in-person. So it was, that was kind of cool. And I started enjoying telehealth a bit more and this was kind of right in the middle of the pandemic um so i'm like wow you know as a classically trained manual therapist right i was able to still help people with just education and yeah. the right exercise therapy uh and they were i was still getting really good results which was mm-hmm. pretty cool so then i saw uh, my current role open up and uh, you know the the Eden Health it wasn't perfect, but I'm not, I don't want to knock any, anything about it, but um, I really like that telehealth model. Um, so I've been with this company now for uh, a bit over a year and it started just telehealth, so uh, just doing the virtual visits. Again, we partner with employers, um, so we don't have to deal with the insurance nightmares mm-hmm. anymore, which I don't think, again, I'm, I'll probably never go back to an insurance-based company. <laughs> um, and what's been really cool is, uh, so this is a startup based out of San Francisco mm-hmm. so before, before it was New York. I'm right in the middle of it, San Fran. It's, it's interesting how things work out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, now what we've just rolled out in the last month is, uh, and I'm kind of the lead PT on this is doing house calls.
0: Yeah. That's um, so cool. I love
1: so we, that. We call them innovation partners. So they basically have us as a benefit so they can do a video visit if they want. Um, we we connect, we collaborate with health coaches. Uh, so I'll do the eval and I'll follow up with them. But then the health coach is just, you know, kind of like their cheerleaders saying, Hey, I, I see you haven't logged into the app for a couple of days. How's everything mm-hmm. going? Uh, that's so that's kind of nice. Um, we have physicians, uh, nurse practitioners on staff as well. Um, they're more of, we call it EMO, the expert medical opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, if I had a really tricky case and I'm like, "Hey, this doesn't seem neuromusculoskeletal," I could easily hop on a chat with one of the, the on-staff physicians or nurses and, and mm-hmm. talk about that member.
0: I, you know, I've come across a number of individuals, which I'm I'm very forward-thinking. If anybody knows me, like I'm <laughs> I'm way more progressive than uh, a lot of people. Um, sure. But I think even even I had a little bit of. Um, I I won't say concern, but just like apprehension about telehealth. And then I actually, as a patient had to do a couple of, um, a couple of telehealth visits and it made a lot more sense for me. It made a lot more sense for me and my lifestyle with my kids. And like, we live far away from where we're supposed to go. And, um, it just made so much more sense and it was very effective and very efficient. And at this point, I really prefer it as a patient. And so I will like. I will I I fully support that and I think that a lot of PTs are they're they're really like over the top concerned about telehealth like ruining the profession and I don't think that that's the case. In fact, I think that telehealth is just a means by which we can accelerate the access to what we're doing and Certainly. we need we need not slow it down um i really feel like there's going to be a really solid marriage between the the digital health world and the in person you know tangible like hands-on sort of worlds that um there there's there's going to be this awesome marriage going forward with this and i think it's going to we're we're going to have the opportunity to provide care to more people than we would if they had to call and schedule and drive and commute and get to us. Um, I just, I just think there's so much potential for it. So, um, so tell me a little bit about like how, how that works. Like, does the, is it a per member per month, like the employer? Um, cause people are always interested in kind of like how, how it actually makes sense. And there could be some employers listening to this podcast. So is it like a per member per month, um, sort of thing set up or how does it work?
1: Um, yeah, I hope I'm not messing up here. I don't know the exact logistics, um, mm-hmm. but we have a, you know, a whole business team that, that deals with most of that. But mm-hmm. from my understanding is we just we kind of sign a contract with what we call an innovation partner. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's based on how many employees they have and things like that they work. Yeah. out. Of, I think, I'm pretty sure it's a fixed price. And then it's mm-hmm. an option as, as a benefit to the entire uh, employee. Uh, Isn't that awesome?
0: So my husband's, uh, my husband's in general management for a a large manufacturing corporation. And um, he has something similar, like, so instead of us so we have our like insurance plan, which is garbage. We never use it. Um, so we pay like the lowest price for whatever they give us. Um, but then his employer also has these other like virtual options for, I can't remember the exact ones. I don't think it's MD live, but it's something like that. Where if you have something like an infection come up or, and and it's obvious, like you have pink eye or, you know, something like that, then you can, you can do that instead of having to call and wait and do all of these things. And same thing for, for physical therapy. I believe there's a physical therapy option, um, as well. So awesome. comment on your experience about like how it works, some of the cases and patients that you've treated and, you know, just a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. So it's been uh, super fun. I always like to uh, tell my coworkers and even my family and stuff of, like, yeah, this is the best like work life balance as a PT I think I've ever had, which is saying a lot. Um, So, uh, and again, you know, at first I was kind of weary because I'm like, oh man, I'm a, I'm a fellow and you know, I'm used to getting my hands on people. (laughs) So it was a bit of a learning curve going to strictly uh, telehealth, but, um, but yeah, it's been, our feedback has been outstanding. We're able to reach, like you said, folks, maybe even in rural areas that there's not a PT that's within an hour drive, stuff like that. So we're, the feedback we're getting is how easy it is to join on, how accessible. Um, and I've even had folks send me personal messages saying, your care was like outstanding. I'm never going back to a brick and mortar clinic ever again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's really, uh, really nice to hear. Um, yeah. And honestly, I think the way of the the future of moving forward are going to be these hybrid type models um, since our you know our other healthcare counterparts, physicians, nurses do a lot of telehealth, uh, as well as in-person visits. I think that's where we're going to head as well.
0: Yeah, totally. So I, when I was when I lived in Pittsburgh, I had a mobile cash-based practice. Um, so it's a little little different. Um, I definitely think that um, the the cash-only market. As somebody who's worked across the spectrum of healthcare um, within the military, where everything is free, and in the insurance market, I've and then cash. I definitely think that if you have a cash only uh, market, and my cash based people are going to crush me for this, but I believe it's true. As somebody who owned a business in this space, I was primarily working with. Hang on one second, something just popped up on my screen. Um, I was primarily working with people who had expendable income, and that bothered me. And right. because even people who are, you know, working class, um, who who may have a little bit of expendable income, they don't necessarily have. Like all of this cash on hand to be able to afford all their health care out of pocket. So I do think that something like this, where it's sort of employer sponsored, even if it's a a 50, 50 kind of deal would be so valuable and so awesome. Um, because the, so the cash mobile, the cash based mobile market was like, I would go and take my stuff to a patient's home and, and see them there. And then I also did some, um, some, some telephone consultation. I did have like a texting line for my patients. So it was easy for them to like drop questions in if they needed to No barriers. barriers, no hold times on the, on the phone. So I love that this is basically turning into like hinge Health's model is you can do telehealth, but we also have this option of providing in-person care if, and when we need to. So tell me some cases where you've used telehealth and in-person care together, or just telehealth, like, give me some examples.
1: Sure. So it's kind of cool. The way we kind of break up members is either the, uh, an acute program or the chronic program. Uh, the acute program is a bit newer. And um, currently we don't offer house calls for the acute folks. Um, at the end of the day, the chronic members give us more business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, It always comes back to that, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So so the house calls I've been doing are, are chronic members who uh, may have started with like a video visit and they're working with a coach, but they just still want a PT to, to get in there and, and uh, it's great getting back, even just able to do overpressure on someone's shoulder, or passive passive accessory mobility testing in the spine, Mm -hmm. uh, which obviously you can't do through the computer. Um, I, I feel like even just delivering a super thorough physical exam just gets them a a lot more motivated to, Mm -hmm. to park and then easily transitioning to before I leave a house call, I'll say is, um, I'll make sure that they have the app downloaded and we get their exercise therapy up and running. I configure it like during the visit. Yeah. Um, and then maybe even run through a, a, a few of their, their exercises and stuff like that. Um, so uh, yeah, the feedback and we've just start, recently started this uh, in Chicago and by the end of the year, we have lofty goals. We want to be in multiple metros and stuff like that. But mm. um, the feedback we've gotten so far has been very positive. That is
0: so cool. And I honestly think that for that, that you have that option, that's really important because for those chronic, the individuals with chronic pain, um, you know, it's, it's multifactorial, it's multidimensional. And sometimes, um, sometimes the, the tangibility of that in-person interaction is something that people with chronic pain might need. Um, whereas Certainly. somebody who's dealing with more of an acute episode, a lot of times we know this neuromusculosis. Skeletal pathologies tend to be self-limiting, especially if it's the first time that they've ever had something. So if there's an, in the absence of any red flags, sometimes just education and reassurance and just, you know, you know, keep moving in a safe way is really helpful. But these, um, but individuals that are dealing with more complex comorbidities and chronic pain, it does help to have that in-person interaction from a variety of angles, whether it's, you know, overpressure during an assessment or doing some manual therapy, like hands-on Interventions, or if it's just that contextual, like we're in the same space, I'm with you, you're with me, we're physically present together, and that makes a difference in somebody's um, in somebody's experience. Which the experience, especially for individuals with chronic pain, matters a lot. Um, so, so cool. I just feel like we could continue talking for forever, um, but as far as podcasts go, this is where people tend to drop <laughs> off. Um, sure, so. So I would love to know, like, if people want to connect with you for your insight on v- the variety of cool settings that you've been in, how can they get best get in touch with you?
1: Um, yeah, they can. I'll just, I can even just give out my personal, uh, Gmail. That's fine. It's just my first name, Steve, last name GooseTree. Um, there's no E after the goose. That's a common typo. <laughs> so just all lowercase, Steve at gmail.com. Um, And yeah, I love to talk shop, huge nerd. So uh, if anyone has any questions after hearing this, I'd love to to chat.
0: Awesome. And is it okay that I share that you're also on a particular social media platform that we connected on?
1: Yeah, LinkedIn. Okay, Uh,
0: yes. So Steve is also (laughs) on LinkedIn, which is how we originally connected. Um, but I will put his email address with the correct spelling, um, in the show notes for this episode. And then you can also reach out to him on LinkedIn. Um, if, and when you feel like it, um, any, any last little parting words, any words of wisdom for people that are interested in getting into this space or that are, you know, maybe experiencing burnout in those crazy clinics we were referencing anything at all.
1: Uh, yeah, we're, we're growing rapidly. So, uh, you know, keep your eyes peeled if, if this sounds interesting to you, um, and then, yeah, I just want to say thanks to you. I'm super pumped to be, I signed up for your primary care class in Schomburg uh, in a few months. So we'll get to meet in person. And um, now that I'm going back into folks' homes and stuff, it'll be nice to even just review an abdominal exam, for example, yeah. or something like that. Uh, so I'm super excited about that.
0: Great. Well, I'm really excited to have you. And uh, if we didn't mention this already, it's Hinge Health. Hinge Health is the company that Uh, Steve works for that is hiring and you can go check them out, give them a Google and see what jobs are available. So thanks so much for coming on today. This was a great episode and it'll be coming out very soon. So stay tuned. Thanks for listening to the redefine health ed podcast, support our mission of getting more rehab professionals integrated into primary care by visiting redefinehealthed.com, subscribing to our email list, following us on social media at Health Ed, and taking one of our courses. All podcast listeners can save $50 on our Foundations for the Primary Care Therapist course or the Master Musculoskeletal Imaging Certification by entering RHE podcast, all lowercase, into the promo code section of the checkout page. Until the next episode, stay awesome, y'all.